what they know about them Texas boys. You're listening to the most dangerous show in Texas, Fight Night on 104.9 The Horn. Wherever you are, however you may be listening, it is now Fight Night. Welcome to Fight Night on 104.9 The Horn and hornfm.com. I'm your host, Eddie Cross. You can find me on Twitter at Eddie Experience, one E in the middle. Joining me as always, this week straight from the Rocky Mountains, Mr. Jordan Wahlberger. Jordan. Bring me back some edibles. That John Denver is full of... Just kidding. We can't say that. Uh, name, name that movie, though. Do you know what it is? <laughs> no. It's Dumb and Dumber. When they're, but they're, oh, they're, okay. they're in Kansas because they think they're the wrong place because it's flat. Uh, Eddie, it's great oh, to okay. see you. It's great to talk fights. UFC 288 in the books. Uh, where We are rocking and rolling. We're going UFC 289, International Fight Week, UFC 290. Uh, you guys, you can find us at Fight Night ATX on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. You can find me at Nonstop MMA. Uh, where you'll not find me, Eddie, is you're not going to find me this week in Dallas, Texas on Tuesday at the Nate Diaz, Jake Paul press conference. If I, I could be there, I, to the soul. I do. I t- actually talked to their press people. They said, do you want to go to the press conference or, or just to the fight? I said, oh my gosh, I would love to go to the press conference, but I'm not, I'm going to be out of town. I can't make it. I will go to the fight though. So. Uh, your boy probably going to be in Dallas, probably going to be hanging. I'm, I'm not going to get in a ruckus with Nate Diaz outside, but planning on going to Dallas. Jake Paul and Amanda Serrano. Amanda Serrano versus uh, Heather Hardy is in, is in the co-main event now. That's uh, I, I don't have that on the, uh, on the new fights announced, but Amanda Serrano fighting in the co-main event. And uh, so that'll be fun, too. Well, that's odd because she pulled out of her fight with Katie Taylor for, due to injury. But I guess um, fighting in May and fighting in August are very different things. Yes, but Katie Taylor has a fight already, right? And so she's fighting, I think, like yes. in the next, yeah, in a she, couple in, weeks in Dublin. Yeah. So it, yeah, it was supposed to be against Amanda Serrano, but she yes, pulled out. That, that's true for all the belts. But hopefully they'll they'll get that one done. Uh, Eddie, uh, let me tell you, this Saturday, uh, this past Saturday, I uh, we are we are we are beautifying the uh, the homestead, the the house, right? Okay. Uh, and we uh, Ranch we compound, did yeah. we did mulch. We mulched last year. I think I told you. I mulched, and then that very night, pollen fell, and it was just yellow everywhere. It was terrible. This year, I said, you know what? We're waiting. We are not going to uh, have, make the same mistake twice. And so we ordered bags, Eddie. I want, I'm not even going to give you an over-under. I want you to take a guess. How many bags of mulch did I use in my house this weekend? Ooh. I, how big are the bags? Um... Compared to the poster maybe, behind you. Maybe, probably the, the size, of, exactly the size of that. And maybe, probably the size of the poster. So probably about five pound bags. So, five pound to probably bags. two feet, and then probably like six, six inches high. Well, you know, because like a bag of sugar is like five pounds. Yeah, so, so I, mean, I don't know, Eddie. I'm not a, I'm not a, okay. yeah. I'm going to say 15. 15. 15 would be great. Um, except for, uh, we did 10x that, Eddie. 150 is what I got, wow. and I probably still need another 30. Dude, yeah, um, maybe your place is a little too big. It's a lot of mulch, and, uh, and so we had the church kids out. They were doing a fundraiser for camp, and so they... Uh, they you made the church kids mulch your backyard. Uh, the, the front yard, but tell me, they, uh, they, they, they got paid handsomely to do it. Uh, I, I looked at the price of what I could buy the mulch for at Home Depot or Lowe's, and then I looked at what it cost for them to come spread it, uh, a couple of kids are going to camp on me. I'll tell you that. 
Oh, man. It's a tough life you got there, Jordan. Man, I, you got, one of these days you're going to have to come out. Don't worry. I was out there working. I wasn't sitting in the pool in the backyard while they were out there mulching. I was uh, I was right there with them. Uh, Eddie. Uh, well, I'm waiting for your invitation, but I'm not doing any work. That's true. I, well, once, so once, once the work is done. Uh, Eddie, I think I told you last year, uh, UFC Prism. These are sports cards. UFC Sports Cards is back. This is the third edition of UFC Sports Cards now. And uh, they just came out again. If you remember last year, I pulled a card and I sold it to Jeff Molina's like good friend, right? And uh, yes. and so Jeff Molina, because you wouldn't sell it to him because you are uh, uh, too much of a dirtbag to give it to him for a discount. Well, I mean, we, we talked about it, and, and I think he knew as well, uh, Eddie. But but the newest edition, right? Who do you think? So when you go for um, UFC sports cards or sports cards in general, you're going for rookies, Eddie. So I want you to guess. I want you to guess who are the big chases of this year's UFC Prism cards? Who do you think are the big rookies that people are going after? I don't know if he counts as a rookie, but uh, I'd love a Shavkat Rachmanov. That was last year. Shavkat was last year's rookie, and he was a big chase last year. Tom Tom Aspinall, Hamzat was a couple years ago. Uh, So you're not... So you want people that haven't made a big splash yet. Yes. But you think they're about to. I'll tell you, Aaron Blanchfield. That's a tough one. She's a chase. Aaron Blanchfield, good rookie, good fighter. Uh, Someone else, there's there's a specific wrestler... Eddie, uh, from Penn State. That is a big, big oh, chase. Oh, um, 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 yeah, Bo Nickel. Uh, Bo Nickel's on the yes. tip of your tongue. He is a big Lord. chase. Uh, but he fails in comparison. Pales in comparison to the biggest chase. Is that a uh, ginger joke? No. Uh, to the biggest chase <laughs> of all, Eddie. This year. Chase Sherman. The biggest chase of all is Hasbula Jay. Magomedov. Oh, good Lord. Hasbula has a card. And, and Eddie, what do you think? We did the, we did the over-under. And I'll tell is you, it life-size? It is not life-size. Uh, so a card of <laughs> Lord, eight. Lord, I apologize. A card of eight. So there's only eight in existence of Bo Nickel. There's only eight of these specific cards, a style, sold for $1,700 of Bo Nickel. A Bo Nickel rookie sold for $1,700, okay? There was wow, a Hasbula wow. gold, and there was, uh, I want to say there was three of them, Okay. Uh, if Bo Nickel went for seventeen, I'm gonna say Hasbula goes for twenty five hundred at least. Yeah, uh, Hasbula went for twenty five thousand. Twenty five thousand. Yeah, multiple cards, <laughs> multiple Hasbulas went for over ten thousand. Uh, there's a what twelve thousand. There's a ten thousand. Uh, there's a four thousand. A five thousand. Uh, ha- twenty five thousand. Hasbula is just kill- he is the hottest thing ever. It looks like in in UFC cards. Hasbula. It, this just makes me sad to remember what Mother Nature did to me uh, years ago when I had this huge collection of football cards in my closet. And when I went to college, they were still sitting there just gaining value. I'm talking Troy Aikman rookie cards, you know, um, Derek Thomas, Emmett Smith, Deion Sanders, like the whole like 88 through 91 rookie classes. And they all got washed away in a flood when the Guadalupe River flooded my neighborhood. I'm sorry that happened, Eddie. $25,000 for a Hasbula card. And Hasbula is getting 25K. It's crazy. So what's up with you? What? Now that what you're so sad. Be going with? Yes. Uh, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be going. That's the sad thing is he wouldn't be going for more no, than Hasbula, which is crazy. Uh, Eddie, I, I, knowing you, knowing you, looking at you right now, uh, I'm sure you had a very, very long Saturday. I'm sure you rose at 4.15 to celebrate the coronation of the king. You, you look like a royal to me. Eddie, tell me about what, how did you celebrate your coronation day on Saturday? First off, thank you. I do look like a royal. Um, actually, I did wake up about 4 o'clock in the morning, but that's because I fell asleep on the couch. 
My, you know what my guess so would have been, Eddie, weekend, is though. that you would have yeah. gone to bed at four o'clock in the morning. That's what I would have guessed. Is like you, and then you would have just pushed through. I, I used to do that a lot. Now it's now it's closer to two usually. And, and one, on one side weekends, note, yeah. one side note, I want to pull back the curtain here. Okay, uh, I was talking to Eddie before. He said, Jordan, can you give me? It? And right now, I'll tell you, it is it is nine forty four at night. Okay, and ten, and he says, Jordan, can you give me? Can you give me ten minutes? And this is what he wrote to me. Uh, I'm just finishing lunch. Eddie, what on earth is happening where you are eating lunch at nine forty-five? <laughs> are lunch. we are we are we are we staying up till four prepping. in the morning? Is this the what time do you wake up today? I'm meal prepping. Uh, Sunday, I got up at ten. Okay, so uh, since I don't, I don't so, have kids, so you're not eating. You're not eating lunch. You are preparing lunch. Yes, preparing lunch. Okay. For the week. Uh, as um, as opposed to most people in Austin these days, I have to go into the office four days a week, and I got tired of spending, you know. 12, 15 bucks every day on lunch. Yeah, no, it makes sense. You know, yeah. Inflation's, you know, things are getting a little rough out here. So, you know, I meal prep now. So Sunday nights, I put on a, uh, uh, an audio book, turn up the air fryer, and do some cooking. Nice. Okay. That makes much more sense. I was very concerned as to why you're eating lunch. And I thought maybe maybe you you miswrote something. Uh, and then you and then you doubled down when you got on the call. You said, hey, I just f- finished lunch. And I'm like, okay, I, I didn't know what's happening here. Now, I will tell you, my time is really screwed up this weekend because we'll, we'll go back to like Friday. It was Thursday night, Friday night. I ended up, I don't know how I came across this on like Prime or Paramount Plus or whatever it was. I ended up watching this, I'm not going to say horrible, it was like a four star like B movie. It's Randy Couture and Baz Rutten in a zombie movie about indie wrestling. It's called The Manson Brothers. Midnight Zombie Master. Uh, that sounds like, you know, Oscar, Oscar bait right there. Yeah. It actually had the, uh, one of those, uh, what was it, the Doctor from Heroes. I forget his name. But, yeah, so that, that already got me on a, uh, bad, on a collision course with, uh, you know, sleep. Okay. Saturday, I have to take a nap after staying up to watch the coronation, or waking up to watch the coronation. Because, like I said, I woke up on the couch at, like, 4 in the morning. End up taking a nap at, like, you know, 3 o'clock. Gonna go out, meet my buddies. I'm thinking, you know, hour, hour and a half. I wake up at six, just in time to watch and some fights. Is, exactly. And then, of course, after the fights, I think I went to bed around three thirty Saturday, uh, Saturday, Saturday night, Sunday morning. I, so I am a little messed up time wise. Yeah, you look like it. So. Oh, thank you, but I do look like a royal. So you said yeah. so yourself. There you thank go. You. All right. right now. Should we talk UFC two eighty eight? If we don't, my friend Fawad's going to kick me right in the nads. Okay. Well, I mean, as much as I would like that, Fawad, to, for you to do that to him, we will talk UFC a 288. In the main event, Eddie, Aljamain Sterling defeats Henry Cejudo, split decision. Uh, it's, it's not a robbery, but I have... I'm so ready to be annoyed by Henry Cejudo for the rest of the time if he won this match. That's because, probably because you thought he won the fight. Uh, I, it wasn't a robbery. I just don't trust judges. But I could see... It going to and I actually did have it to Cejudo. I had it. I had it three two. I had Cejudo winning rounds two four. Excuse me, two three and five. Uh, and so it, it's crazy. So uh, either way, you know, Aljamain was able to wrestle. Now it's going to be the you know, Henry was talking like, look, I'm an Olympic wrestler. You're a Division three wrestler. You are not going to be able to keep up with me. And I think actually Aljo had more takedowns at the end of the day. I don't know if they actually. At the end of the day, recorded it as more takedowns, uh, but he held his own. He actually looked good. What, one thing I did see a problem: Henry looked much smaller. Oh yeah, and he looked at his range. Obviously, his his uh, you know his uh, his reach it, was much shorter. I didn't. It didn't even register in my head how short he was until they showed the tail of the tape, 
And I was like, five, four? Are you? I can't even say. Uh, I mean, you look, I, you look eye to eye with him, right? I, I'm taller than him. That's even worse. But, yeah, I mean, he did not look to be in the same weight class. Now, his strength really held up in the wrestling exchanges. Yeah, I thought he looked good against in, in the wrestling exchanges. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he looked good overall. I mean, especially for being gone three years. No, no, but, sorry, sorry. I was I mean, saying Aljo looked really good in those wrestling oh, exchanges. That's what I thought he looked really yeah, good he, there. And as long as he wasn't going for a double leg, because then he looked horrible. But up against the cage, he looked great. He quickly, yeah. he quickly, uh, Henry was able to quickly sprawl and push him down. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I mean, I thought yeah. it was, I thought, you know, he held his own there. Yeah, but yeah, uh, Aljo went for those, uh, double, I, I called them half-assed shots in the middle of the cage because he didn't drive through. He just kind of like, like leaned in, go for the, going for the legs. And Sudo was able to defend those easily. So it, I thought that made him look bad. And honestly... There were rounds that he probably lost that he could have won if he hadn't looked so bad with those horrible shots. Are you saying Cejudo or, or Aljo? In your mouth. Aljo. Okay. Uh, it's interesting. So you go round one by round by round, right? Round one, I thought, you know, both fighters got a takedown. Uh, Aljo got a takedown at the end, and I thought definitely landed the bigger shots. And, and I think he clearly won round one. He won on all three scorecards. Uh, round two, in my opinion, uh, Cejudo outstruck him. He ended up... Uh, on top for a little bit. I thought he did more damage. I thought that Cejudo won round two. Uh, I know that's probably, to me, that's the closest round there was. Definitely arguable. So uh, round three, uh, there was an early takedown from Cejudo. Algo, Aljo got a takedown in the middle of the round. There was a good back and forth. After Cejudo got out, uh, multiple failed takedown attempts by Sterling. With You mentioned that where he just kind of stuffed him down and he sprawled. Uh, yeah. I, all three judges gave that to Cejudo. So I had it, you know, two to two to one. After three rounds. Yeah. yeah, it was to the point where Matt Serra and Ray Longo were telling Aljo to stop shooting in the middle of the cage. Like, get off all, don't be on all fours. Cut that out. It looks horrible. And even them, even they're telling him about the visual of it. And it did. It, it looked really bad. Yeah, Sterling round four. I thought that was clearly a Sterling round. But then round five, right? Cejudo had more control time. He had one takedown. Aljo had none. He had more strikes. He finished the round with a takedown with a minute left. Uh, Aljo did get back to his feet, but never really got away from Cejudo to finish that fight. Uh, and so I, I thought Cejudo won the fight three to two right there. That, that's where I ended up. Where did you end up? Uh, I don't score fights anymore because it takes away from my enjoyment of watching the fight. And I want to like kind of look at it from another perspective. But I will tell you this, control time doesn't count anymore like it used to. It's not, it's not 2005 anymore. So control time, if you're not doing anything with it, it doesn't do anything. Um, a takedown really doesn't count for much unless there's some actual damage done. So they just consider it a change of position. And like, kind of like holding in boxing, it's just like it's kind of a nothing burger. And then that takedown that Suhudo had in the fifth, um, it was really more of a trip than an impactful takedown. It's not like he picked him up and slammed him. You know, him hopping backwards across the cage for, like, the whole length of the cage. Really, um, I think that really negated the whole thing in the eyes of the judges because it didn't look like so much offense from Suhudo as it is more of a just kind of a incident. Which is weird, though, because it really didn't negate because two of the judges actually gave him round five. So one judge gave him round six, which is actually, you go, you look at the scorecard, uh, Henry actually won uh, on two, he won three rounds uh, on all three judges' scorecards, right? Was that what it was? Just different, he just won different rounds. So he won rounds two, three, and five. Uh, so at, on, excuse me, so on all three scorecards, he got at least two, out of, the, two out of the three judges. Least, yeah, so he won, yes, you know, so, so you would think like, 
okay, well, there's a chance. But obviously, the rounds that Aljo won, you know, he won dominantly. There wasn't a split in between them. It was the rounds that Cejudo won. Regardless of round three, there was a split somewhere in there, which is what ended up yeah, at, you know, two giving and five him the really win. close. Yeah, Aljo won two rounds on all three scorecards. Cejudo won one on all three, and then two and five are close enough to go either way. Like I said, um, the visual of it in round five, like you said, it didn't to the judges. Well, it did to one. Yeah, and, and, and that it's was weird. Enough. The same judge that actually yeah. gave uh, Joseph Benavides the win over Henry Cejudo as well. So uh, a guy yeah. who has a history you know, of not giving him, you know, good uh, uh, good scorecards in the past. I was going to say it kind of reminded me of Cejudo's win against Mighty Mouse, where a lot of people still didn't think he won that, that second fight, but that uh, began the legend of Triple C in a kind of controversial fashion. So after and it might end the same way. Yeah, after the fight, they, uh, they decide they want to bring Sean O'Malley into the cage. And, and Sean O'Malley has a Michael Jackson jacket off who, who takes it off. And then somehow, Marab Dvalashvili, he puts that jacket on. I don't, I don't know exactly what they were doing. Dude, he hopped on top of the cage with that jacket on. This Michael Jackson thriller jacket, which, by the way, kind of cool jacket. But, and the fact that Marab could put that on and it looked like it fit him perfectly... I'm like, what's that say about uh, O'Malley? But, yeah, that was a bad idea. You know, in boxing, a lot of times you can get away with that. It's a little, little more gentlemanly, but they're not going to be so much shoving. Maybe there's more people in the, in the ring or whatever. But a lot of times in MMA, that's just a bad idea. And it seems to only happen these days when it's one of Dana's boys coming into the cage. Oh, yeah. A couple times. Like Brock. They used to do it more, right? Uh, that's going to be the next fight. They're, they've already set it up. They're looking, you know, uh, Aljo was saying September, September. It sounds like after the fight, Dana's trying to go uh, August. They're trying to do August in Boston. That may be the next fight for them. Uh, but what's really crazy is Aljo gets end up like, you know, they're, they're in New Jersey. Uh, he gets booed. You know, Aljo, like getting booed by your home crowd, that's, that's terrible. Wait, wait, wait. They're in New Jersey. They are. Yes. Al- the Al- tri-state area. Island. Yes, uh, Tri-State. You know, we we call it that because it's so small. But uh, for us down here, but they don't like each other so much. You know, New Yorkers make fun of New Jersey, even as much as they should give Staten Island back. New Yorkers make fun of New Jersey. You remember a while back in SNL, they had that uh, who was it playing uh, Governor David Patterson, Fred Armisen, line governor. Yeah, Fred Armisen, and they would make fun of New Jersey. I do, I do remember that. Yes. And whenever I smell cheap cologne and raccoons, I know I'm in. New Jersey. <laughs> okay. Okay, Governor. I looked it up, and actually Greenwich, Connecticut is closer to Uniondale, Uniondale Long Island, where Aljo is from, than Newark is. But if he was in Greenwich, no, no one would say that's his home crowd. Greenwich? What, what are we, Hunter Hearst Helmsley? What, what is going on? Did you, just, you just looked at the closest place on a map? I just looked at the closest place in Connecticut, right there. 46 miles. Well, this, uh, 41 miles. So, Eddie, this, this is where New York, you're, 41 miles. This is where you're wrong. Right. Because Aljo himself said that this was a home crowd a week ago. He had an interview with Megan Oliva. This is what he said. He said, I do know what this means and I do know what the crowd is going to look like and sound like. It's not every day you you get to defend a world title pretty much on your home turf, have the home crowd advantage. That's what Aljo said. He said he was going to have a home crowd. Because he didn't. He did not. So he did. So he thought he was going to have a home field home crowd advantage. And he did not. He gets punched in the head for a living. He's not that smart. Maybe. So that's what happened there. So Aljo still gets booed in what he thought was going to be his home crowd. MMA fans are going to be MMA fans. But look, for the internet trolls that hate Aljo Sterling, nothing will ever change their minds. But these are three facts that they got to know. His nine-fight winning streak at Bantamweight is the longest active streak in the division. 
His three consecutive title defenses are the most in UFC bantamweight history, not including WEC because you're throwing Dominic Cruz and his WEC. It's a four. But two of those were against flyweights, DJ and Joseph Benavidez. So, yeah. Also, Sterling's 14 victories at bantamweight are the most in UFC history. There is easily an argument to be made that Aljamain Sterling is the greatest bantamweight in UFC history. Wins over Cejudo, former champion. Dillashaw, former champion. Supposedly the greatest Jan, combat, uh, fighter in history. Jan, former champion. Sanhagen, Pedro Munoz, Jimmy Rivera. I'm not going to take anything away. Very impressive resume for Aljamain Sterling. But it looks like his time at Bantamweight is done, right? He's going to fight Sean O'Malley. And then he even said it afterwards. I have one more fight at Bantamweight. I'm going to fight Sean O'Malley. Then he said, I'm actually going to do the Henry Cejudo playbook. I'm going to go up and fight Volkanovsky. And if I lose, I'm going to step away and I'm going to let Marab get the title shot, and I'm going to help train him. So even Ray Long goes like, he's, he's cleaned out the division after he fights O'Malley, and that's because Marab, you know, which is weird. We say he's the greatest bantamweight ever, but he can't even beat his own teammate, Marab Dabalashvili. Now listen, he won't fight his own teammate and can't beat his own teammate are different deals. I believe if Marab knew that he could beat Aljo that, that easily, he wouldn't be holding off on taking the title shot. But secondly... He's also 33, and it's probably getting harder to cut weight. He's a pretty big bantamweight. I didn't realize he was as close in height to uh, Sean O'Malley until they faced off. And let's remember, um, he wasn't wearing shoes. Or if he was, he was just wearing those, uh, those rock, sho- those, uh, rock uh, Under Armour shoes, and they're not very tall. So he's a pretty big bantamweight. He's, what, 33? So by the time he fights O'Malley, um, he'll be closing in on 34. So cutting weight is probably getting harder. But I don't like his chances against Volk. No, not at all. Hopefully Volk goes up. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, Henry Cejudo took his gloves off in the cage. Didn't come out and retire, but said he's got to think about it. Got to talk to his wife. Uh, Eddie. He didn't put him down, though. So not a robbery. Uh, I thought it was a great fight. Um, Let's go to the co-main event. Bilal Muhammad defeats Gilbert Burns by decision. Uh, Gilbert looks to have torn something in in, in the first round in his shoulder. Uh, Definitely outmatched by Bilal the rest of the fight. Bilal coming off of Ramadan, uh, coming off of short notice. He looked like he might have been injured, you know, getting on on the scale, walking into the arena. Uh, But at the end of the day, Bilal gets the fight, gets the win, and he is next in line after Colby Covington versus Leon Edwards' fight. So great great for Bilal. Yeah, let me tell you, I was really surprised because we both kind of thought that due to Ramadan and the, uh, the sudden weight cut, that it would be harder for Bilal to, uh, to come, on, on, come out on top of this. And if anyone was going to have like a weird injury, it would have been him. But no, he came out and looked pretty good. And I got to tell you, I'm really happy for him because it seems like one of those guys that Dana and the UFC just didn't want to give a title shot to. And he deserves at least a chance. He's definitely and taking the long way. Yeah, and we deserve a chance to see some new blood in the title picture. Instead of Dana giving fights to his friends. Yeah. Jan Shonan defeats Jessica Andrade by first round KO. Uh, Jan, she caught Andrade moving backwards, uh, knocked her out, followed up on the ground. Uh, she pressed her the entire time. Uh, Jan has losses to Carla Sparza and Marina Rodriguez. Marina actually lost earlier in the night to, to Verna Jandaroba. Uh, so she's out. Um, but... She's won two fights in a row, Mackenzie Dern and now Jessica Andrade. You have to think, even though she's, you know, I think Andrade was ranked fourth. She was ranked sixth. Uh, you got Amanda Lemos in front of her. You got Rose and you've got Carla in front of her. Uh, now, she's not, there's no way. You, you have to strike when the iron's hot. You go straight Yan Xionan versus Zhang Weili. And you do it in China. You know, they've, they've got to really want it, right? Um, and you know, Dana doesn't care about rankings. They care about cash. And that would be huge. Two Chinese fighters fighting for a UFC championship in China. All I hear 
is the cash registers. Okay. It's, it's like deafening. No, that would be big. Uh, the other fight yeah. I just wanted to but mention. Yeah, that knockout was, oh, sorry. Say that knockout was very reminiscent of uh, Stipe knocking out Verdum for the heavyweight title. You know, you don't chase people, especially up against the cage. And, ooh, she cleaned her clock. It was great. Yeah. I mean, not for her. But Speaking of, uh, of cleaning your clock, uh, Matt Frivola defeats uh, uh, Drew Dober. First round KO. Uh, I don't think uh, Drew Dober has been KO'd. Gosh, I mean, it, it has been a long time. I'm, I'm, it goes back to 2011. It's almost almost 12 years uh, to April 1st of 2011 in Victory Fighting Championship. A big win for Matt Frivola. He stops Drew Dober, who was on a three-fight win streak. He's now on a three-fight win streak of himself. Uh, so so good to see that uh, and, and good to see Matt Frivola get that win. And we get to keep using his nickname. Yeah, the Steamroller. I love St- it. Steamroller Frivola. Yep. Um, I mean, Bryce Mitchell was injured. Uh, Bryce Mitchell was injured in fight week, and uh, Diego Lopez, even with his bad haircut, he steps in on short notice uh, to face uh, Mozart Evloev. He just didn't have time to to shave it, I guess. Yep, he did have uh, Evloev in uh, in a submission in the first round, but ultimately he ended up losing to Evloev by decision. Uh, they did win a fight of the night, though, which is awesome. Yeah, I think he had locked him in a couple of good submissions, at least one arm bar and a knee bar. But even I could tell with my limited experience that he wasn't uh, putting enough pressure with his hips on the joint. It was just like you could see the pressure in his, he was, uh, you know, the effort in his face where he was really pulling back with his hands, but he wasn't popping his hips enough. Yeah. Uh, Charles Dordain defeats Kron Gracie, who just seems super one-dimensional in that fight. Oh, my God. It surprises me every time I see it when one of these great jiu-jitsu guys hasn't gone and worked on his offensive wrestling. You, and jiu-jitsu, it's one thing to get someone down. That's basically where you're going anyway. But when someone doesn't want to go down, you need to learn how to get yourself into that position. And all the way back to Damien Maya not being able to get people down or um, against Andrew Silva, who was it in Abu Dhabi? Ooh, uh, tell us latest. Uh, yeah. Um, dude, work on your wrestling. To, if you want to get people in your, in your crosshairs, you got to get them down. They're not going easily, and you can't just, like, jump guard every time. Nice. All right, let's talk. Uh, that's USC 288. Let's talk one fight night and, uh, and Ryzen real quick. It's a pretty fun night, man. Uh, one fight night. Um, DJ just did DJ things. He looked good the entire time. Um, one scores the bout as a whole, so there's no round-by-round round breakdown. But um, it was unanimous, and it was easy to see that Demetrius Johnson won that fight. Uh, they tried to get an answer out of him afterwards in the cage uh, about uh, retirement. He did not answer. Has to go talk to the wife and sort things out and figure things out. I hope he doesn't, but I don't know what's left for him to do unless he wants to maybe do some uh, submission grappling. I think it was it Mikey Musumeci. Uh, talked about hoping to face him at some someday, so that could be fun. Uh, but other than that, I don't know what he has left to do. Um, oh, Sage Northcutt, I'd like to say he looked good in his return, but it was, uh, what, thir- 39, 40 seconds? It's really hard to tell. But he did get the win with a heel hook, though I, I don't think he wanted to be on the ground. Yeah. All right, let's talk Ryzen. So Ryzen, you had John Dotson and uh, Juan Archuleta. They both got wins. In, uh, in their respective fights, which is great. Yeah, I did not watch this one, but it's cool to know that they're over there and they're, uh, especially John Dotson's fighting in multiple organizations. So he's also in bare knuckle uh, right now too, so that's cool. Juan Archuleta, I didn't even know he was a free agent. All right, game-bred bare knuckle. Roy Nelson defeats Dylan Kleckler. Uh, first round, Roy Nelson still got it, man. Still got that power. Yeah, it's still a little slow. He gets hit a lot, but he's still got a hell of a chin and just that overhand right, just Roy Nelson doing big country things. Yeah. All right. Let's talk boxing real quick. Canelo Alvarez defeats John Ryder. Uh, although, what what is it? Why is John Ryder saying that Canelo is losing a step when when his face is bloody and everything else? 
Canelo did seem to get hit a lot in this fight, you know. And now John Ryder got knocked down in what was the, uh, I think the fifth he got knocked down. And then another one that looked like it knocked down, but the ref ruled it a slip. But yeah, Canelo did seem to get hit a lot. So it looked a little bit slower. And John Ryder, that dude is like a stereotypical tough Brit guy, dude. I mean, he got knocked down and came back fighting even harder. It was a little scary. Kind of, kind of like a, uh, a midnight zombie. There we go. I love it. All right, guys. That was Canelo versus Ryder. That was uh, Gamebred, Ryzen, 1FC, and that was UFC 288, guys. You're listening to Fight Night right here on 104.9 The Horn, hornfm.com. We will be right back. It's What's Up With That. Woke up this morning and I got out of bed. Had a big old cup of coffee to clear my head. Been home for a while and that's where I'm at. But we can still jam on What's Up With That. What's up with that? 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 Welcome back to Fight Night on 104.9 The Horn, hornfm.com. I'm Eddie, that's Jordan, and that's all the SNL you're going to hear this weekend or for the foreseeable future because there is a writer's strike in Hollywood and, oh, New York too, I guess. They're arguing about streaming residuals, um, artificial intelligence writing shows. There's a lot going on, and I feel for those guys. And I hope this doesn't lead to more reality shows. I'm going to start watching more... Uh, European and South American stuff on Netflix, if this keeps up. But Jordan, UFC 289 has a new main event. What's up with that? Yeah, so Julian Pena is out of her fight against Amanda Nunez for the UFC Bantamweight Championship on June 10th in Vancouver, uh, Canada, British Columbia. Uh, and stepping in is Irina Aldana, who was already rumored to get that title fight uh, before it was announced against Pena. Uh, Aldana, Aldana was scheduled to face Raquel Pennington, though, on May 20. We actually thought she was going to fight here in San Antonio. That was the original main event. Uh, then she got moved to May 20th. Uh, but then, I mean, this is another Mexican fighter. And so you could have four, including an interim t- champion, uh, all, fi- all champions from Mexico, which would be fantastic. That's crazy. And it'll tell you that uh, the UFC's investment down there was really paying off. And man, are they going to be making tons of money in Mexico soon. And hopefully... Hopefully there'll be a couple of them that still have belts by September. Maybe they can put on a uh, DAC Sace card down there. Yeah, you would think that would make sense. It also makes sense that WWE stopped putting their pay-per-views on UFC pay-per-view nights. But that's a whole different story. I'll have to argue with Stu about that one. Signs are pointing, Jordan, that Francis Ngannou is signing with the PFL. What's up with that? Yeah, so former UFC title contender and current PFL head of operations for PFL Europe, Dan Hardy said that uh, he expects that Francis will be coming over to the PFL in no time. Uh, the PFL was meeting all of his demands. He'll get a salary increase, a contract stipulation that allows him to compete as a professional boxer in between MMA fights. Uh, Errol Hawani is reporting that he has a, a floor of what his opponent will make. Kind of cool. Uh, and then hopefully we get an announcement really in them. the next couple of weeks. So uh, if, if that's what the case is, that, that's great news. But let's get on with it. I want to see something for Francis. Well, let's remember it's only been a couple months, right? Since when? Uh, since he fought? Contract. No, since his uh, contract expired. Regardless, he, he hasn't fought for over a year. Well, yeah, but we're talking contractual, contractually. 
It's only been a couple months since his contract expired. And what he's doing is huge, could be huge. This is trailblazing stuff for MMA. And every fighter should be behind him, hoping that he gets what he wants. Because he is literally, like you said, his opponents will have a floor of what they'll make. He's literally trying to lift all boats. So everyone should be cheering him on, not talking crap about him on Twitter like a bunch of you idiots do. And yeah, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, you. You hear me. Now, Jordan, speaking of Francis, which is kind of weird to say this, but one-time possible opponent John Jones says that his fight against Stipe Miocic, follow me here, might be his last unless Francis comes back. What's up with that? Yeah, so, so we kind of laughed this off a few weeks ago where, where John Jones tweeted out that, hey, wouldn't it be great if my retirement fight uh, was, was in Madison Square Garden against Stipe? That seemed like that's more of a possibility. So John Jones spoke with Fox Sports Australia last week. He said that after the Stipe fight, he doesn't have much more to prove. Uh, says that he's got some small injuries, wants to be able to focus on his kids, on his family, wants to be around for a while. Uh, but he does say that, uh, um, you know, the Francis fight might actually get him to come back. Uh, might be worth not retiring due to the revenue that he is going to receive, right? The revenue that would come from that fight would be worth it if he was to retire and come back, if he was to fight Francis. If Francis, So maybe one guy who's not rooting for Francis to sign some long-term contract with the PFL is John Jones because of the payday that would come with that. Uh, going on in that interview, he was actually asked specifically a bit about Sergey Pavlovich. And I remember Sergey, he's got like five first-round TKOs in the first round. Uh, he said that he's exciting and impressive. He does remind him a little bit of Glover's win streak. He called him a one-trick pony, though. Uh, and it says, I don't know if we'll ever fight. Uh, he actually quoted Luke Thomas, which is kind of crazy if you think back to that one fight uh, press conference <laughs> when he told Luke, I'm not going to answer your question, uh, but saying it was high risk with very low reward, that nobody knows who he is. And uh, he's got all the accolades with nothing left to prove. So uh, that, that doesn't seem, unless they know the money was right, which I don't think the UFC is, is really going to be interested in paying John Jones more than they're already paying him. Already that they're paying on that contract, that eight-fight contract that he signed, a new contract for him to fight Sergey Pavlovich. So I don't know if that gets him up out of bed for that. And why did he sign an eight-fight contract in the first place? Because the he's UFC said, hey, crap. because the UFC said, hey, uh, you want this fight, you have to sign an eight-fight contract so you can never fight anywhere else. Yeah, I guess so. But that's UFC also being dumb. Hopefully, well, I'm not even going to say hopefully for them because I don't hope anything for them because they've got enough money. I'll believe it when I see it, but it is sounding more serious now about him retiring. Now, hopefully, maybe someone will come up and start knocking people out and maybe pique his interest, but that's what Sergey did, and he's not interested. So what do you do? Is there anyone left at heavyweight that would do it for him? I mean, not, not, not that it would be interesting. And this is why Dana hates paying people more. Because <laughs> so they can get comfortable and retire. Um, also, I think he's been hanging around with Cejudo too much. That might be it, too. Now, speaking of retirement, Jordan, Manny Pacquiao might be returning to the ring. What's up with that? So last week it was announced that uh, Paradigm Sports, uh, the agency that reps Conor McGregor, won a legal battle against Manny Pacquiao. Remember they were they were repping Manny for one time, and then Manny was trying to negotiate a fight uh, outside of Paradigm. Uh, it, a judge rules that Pacquiao was in breach of contract in his recent negotiations for the fight. Uh, Pacquiao was ordered to pay Paradigm five point one million dollars. He's also responsible for about two point nine million in attorney fees. 
So he's on the hook for about $8 million. Uh, Connor obviously had his heyday uh, on Twitter tweeting about this and, and the money that uh, that Pacquiao owes those guys. Then he went after Artem Lobov as well. Uh, but, uh, you know, maybe maybe Manny's going to have to get back in the ring in order to pay this, uh, this debt off that he owes to Paradigm. Well, I don't think Manny should be hurting for money. So if he has to pay, what, seven, eight million bucks, he might not really feel it. But it would be good to see him come back because I know Connor was talking about boxing him at one point. But I don't need that to be another option that Connor has because then we'll never see him back in the cage. Yeah, no, I want to see that. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, to some bad news, there's some more MMA legal issues this week. One of our favorite guys is in trouble. What's up with that? Yeah, so Tony Ferguson in the news. Not not great this time. Uh, on early Sunday morning, he was arrested for a DUI in Hollywood, California after a, he allegedly crashed his truck into, uh, originally I think it said two parked cars, KTLA TV in, uh, in, in LA. They said that he actually ran into four parked cars. They showed up, they ended up, and his, uh, his, his car was like, his truck was like flipped over. Uh, he did not take a breathalyzer test. Uh, although they did say that he might have smelled, but uh, we will see what happens. He was released on uh, on on bond at, at a thirty thousand dollar bond, but this just happened. It, it was reported by TMZ. Lots more news to come, but obviously not the uh, not the best thing, especially after you know two thousand eighteen. Ferguson's wife they had a, a restraining order against him, and his just whole like his fight career obviously not in the place where it needs to be. Yeah, and this also uh, it's a bad time for fighters in LA because this comes on the heels of Deontay Wilder getting pulled over with a concealed weapon. Uh, a couple weeks ago, fellas, get a driver, hire a car. Why are you doing this yourself? Makes no sense. Have we not learned anything from Tiger Woods? Chris Cyborg Jordan has re-signed with Bellator. What's up with that? Yeah, so last Thursday, Bellator announced via press release that the reigning featherweight champ has re-signed with Bellator on a multi-fight deal. Not sure how many fights she has. Uh, Cyborg put out a tweet saying, Here, kitty, kitty. Uh, most likely that's referring to Kat Zingano uh, Kat as the Zingano, next yeah. title contender at featherweight. Kat's 4-0 since joining Bellator back in September of 2020. Uh, Sarah McMahon also in the mix. She defeated Arlene Blenkow in her Bellator debut back in April. Uh, Cyborg said that she did receive multiple offers from other promotions, uh, but came to terms with Scott Coker and Bellator and still wants to be the face of their featherweight division. Yeah, we were hoping to see her in PFL against Kayla Harrison. And then Kayla lost the fight, which kind of took a little bit of the shine off of it. But they can still make that fight because those two organizations are not, uh, they don't refuse to work with each other. So it could possibly still happen. But it will be good to see Cyborg face off against Kat and Sarah because those are two big names that she hasn't fought before. Now, um, to the, um, the real what's up with that of the week, Jordan. You sent me this video, and I thought it was just a joke. But... Did Greg Hardy's working at Walmart? What's up with that? Yeah, so if you went to a Walmart in Garland, Texas, you might have seen Greg Hardy there. It sounds like maybe he was doing like a, a, a live, uh, but it sounds like he's doing working for Spectrum, and he was put on the like welcome to Walmart. Do you want to buy Spectrum uh, job shift? And uh, he said he was actually quitting that day, uh, but he did say that someone was like. He'd asked them a question, uh, and then like, they just said, I don't need anything. He's like, I just said hi. Uh, but let's see. I mean, if, if I saw the Prince <laughs> of War at uh, – and, and uh, who knows? Maybe he's Prince of War when he's selling Spectrum. Maybe, maybe he's, he's Prince, of, uh, Prince of Internet when he is selling Spectrum. Uh, but either way, you know, I'm, I'm still probably going to have to go to the, uh, the, the boys section and, and get a new pair of underwear uh, after I sold my britches when, when uh, he looks at me. Yeah, dude, he is not the Walmart greeter you expect. No, not at all. You, you expect a little old man that's like 70 – and all of a sudden, Greg Hardy standing over you, like blocking out the light. Like, no, no, I, I do not, I do not want your internet. Get away from me. 
hit us with some new fights, Jordan. All right, and we got Jamie Malarkey versus Gurum Kutulatat Kutulatat. I can't even say it. Uh, Kuta Tlatse, uh versus and Andre Lovsky still getting after it and Dontel, on Dontel Mays. That's June 3rd. Randy Brown what? versus Wellington Terman. You got Brennan Allen versus Bruno Silvan. Silva. Silva's replacing Jack Hermanson. Uh, Jordan Levitt versus Elvis Brenner. Uh, Christian Rodriguez versus Cameron Simon. Uh, then we get a couple of ones. Mark Diakesi versus Joel Alvarez. That's in London. I like that. And then over in Bellator, Austin Vanderford versus Ima Shafi Aliv. So, Eddie, that's new fights. That's what's up with that guys you're listening to fight night right here on 104.9 the horn hornfm.com we will be right back until next time what's up with that what's up with that Welcome back to Fight Night on 104.9 The Horn, hornfm.com. That's Eddie. I'm Jordan. Follow us both at Fight Night ATX on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. Eddie, this Saturday, first off, happy Mother's Day to everyone on Sunday. But uh, this Saturday, Eddie. Oh, man. Yeah, you got got to get ready. Uh, At 2 o'clock Eastern, or 2 o'clock Mountain, or Central Time, the main card of (laughs) UFC on ABC4, North Carolina, Eddie, this is a fun card. I looked at this card. I said, this, this must be a ABC card. You got uh, Jarzinho Rosenstruck versus Jolton Almeida. And Jolton Almeida is a good prospect. Uh, he's won, gosh, uh, he went 5-2, and two, and now he is 18-2. and two, So he's won 13 in a row. He's 4-0 in the UFC. Uh, he beat, uh, he, he was on Dana White's Contender Series. He beat uh, Shamil Abdurakimov. He TKO'd him uh, versus Jarzinho Rosenstruck, who is on a, on a one-fight win streak. But you got two ranked fighters in the, in the main event. Uh, then you got Anthony Smith versus Johnny Walker. Uh, this is a fun fight too, man. I, I think this is yeah, actually pretty good. One. So, uh, and and that's that, not that even should have been the main event. I, I mean, but I know heavyweights. Heavyweights are going to bang, and, and that'll be fun. I, and I think yeah, I thought Anthony Smith and Johnny Walker at one time was the main event. Uh, but then you got D Rod. You got Daniel Rodriguez versus Ian Gary. Ian Gary is uh, another hot and upcoming prospect. So I love that fight as well. Uh, and then you know Mackenzie Dern versus Angela Hill. I mean. Seven versus fourteen. That's that's not bad either. Yeah, and um, I'm not gonna say they need some uh, some better looks, some better faces to look at on the main card, but it helps. Definitely helps the marketing. You gotta have some ladies on the card because um, you know there aren't enough on this at, as a, at all. There's what well two other fights, two other Kim Ji Yan versus Brandy Bohm and uh, Jessica Rose Clark versus Tynera Lisboa. Uh, yeah, but, I've heard of one of those names. Yeah, well, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, Alex Morono versus the the Dirty Bird, Tim Means. That's a fun fight that kicks off the main card. But what about the? Uh, yes, go ahead. You you can yeah, say it. Matt Brown and Court McGee. Ta- oh, man. A couple of Warriors guys who have been around for a long time. Uh, and Carlos Olberg, another guy. He's a uh, part of the uh, main card. This this is a fun this is a fun fight card, man. I think this is uh, yeah. this is not bad. Yeah, Cody Stamen versus Douglas Silva, Dandraj. That's uh, that's a pretty good one there too. And that's not even and the then, only fights of the weekend, right? You, you got you got Bellator happening as well. Yeah, they're over in Paris, headlined by Gegard Mousasi against the brother of the UFC uh, welterweight champ Fabian Edwards. And then um, the brother, of former yeah. UFC. Oh, no, you're right. Excuse me. It is it is Leon. Uh, yes. Excuse me. Yeah, you're correct. <laughs> I'm like, did something happen that I missed? Was there an intercontinental title tournament in Brazil? <laughs> uh, Brent Primus, Douglas Lima, also on the card. 
And, oh, Denise Kielholtz, Miss Dynamite. But this is a huge card, like literally huge as like 17, 18 fights. Yeah, no, this will be a, this will be a long night of fights. Uh, uh, Gegard Mousasi versus Fabian Edwards. The winner will get the title shot. So this is a title eliminator. And uh, and then also on the lightweight side, this is Brent Primus versus Mansois uh, Barnau. He that's for the uh, that's that's part of the uh, lightweight World Grand Prix. So that's exciting is as it, well. Is it Mansour or Mansois? I don't know. I, I think I, I think you I think you correct <laughs> me. I think you correct me every single time on this, and I and I say it wrong. So. Uh, but that'll be a fun night, man. So uh, no boxing this week. We got some boxing n- the the next weekend on May 20th. Next week, yeah, a couple of big uh, undisputed title fights with Devin Haney versus Vasily Lomachenko and Chantel Cameron versus Katie Taylor. So those will be huge next week. Nice. Well, all right. Well, stay tuned. Sports guys talking wrestling. I'm sure they're going to talk about backlash, backlash through Myrick, Justin Simmons. We are proud to be the MMA show of Texas. Tell your friends, like, and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, check us out at Fight Night ATX on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. Have a great week, and we will talk to you then. Hey, keep safe, be nice to each other, stay positive, and love your life. And if we ever didn't thank you, let us do it now. Happy trails to you till we meet again.